Welcome back to The Beautiful Struggle, your spot where we talk all things coaching, teaching, and inspiring youth. I'm your host, Jake Cates, and I am very thankful that you joined us for today's show. Listen to these few words from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Hey everybody, this is Jake Cates, host of the Beautiful Struggle podcast, and I am proud to represent Berserk Athletics. Berserk Athletics is a premier provider of custom athletic uniforms, spirit wear, sideline gear, and any other custom gear that you may need for teams, businesses, or any other group. You can reach me at Jake at Berserk Athletics, that's B-E-R-S-E-R-K athletics.com. That's Jake at berserkathletics.com. Welcome back to the Beautiful Struggle podcast. I'm your host, Jake Cates, and tonight we're taking on a very serious topic of human sex trafficking, and more specifically, the trafficking that involves our children. And tonight's guest is Russ Tuttle. Russ is an expert in the field. He's the president of the Stop Trafficking Project, and I'm excited about the information that he has for us tonight to maybe help protect our students from falling in to human trafficking. Russ, thanks for joining the show tonight. Pleasure to be here with Jake and really honored to speak to adults who actually care about kids and want to invest in them and don't just see working with kids as a job for a paycheck. Well, I appreciate it. And tonight's topic, I want to jump right in because I know you've got a lot of of information to pass along. And I want to start with some stats that I read this week. And uh, that prompted my, my phone call to you. And so, and it kind of lets you run with this thing. But uh, reading through some of these stats this week, human trafficking is a $150 billion a year industry worldwide. $100 billion of that is the sex trafficking. Uh, the rest of that is forced labor. Of that $150 billion, $43.4 billion in the United States, right here where we live. Estimated over 20 to 40 million people worldwide are in modern slavery today. 70% female, 30% male, which a lot of people don't realize. And the thing that really uh, got my attention, not that all of that didn't, but the average age of, of the person entering into sex trafficking is 12 to 14 years old. I know those stats don't surprise you, but Russ, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and a little bit about the Stop Trafficking Project in light of all those numbers. So in light of all those numbers, who I am briefly, I lived quite a bit of my life overseas in the country of India. So when it comes to the crime of human trafficking, I understand human trafficking from the perspective of most Americans that, yeah, it's a horrible thing that happens in exotic countries over there, like India and Cambodia and Thailand. Or most Americans think it's a tragedy that's happening on the southern border, and we feel really badly about that. Few stop to think about the fact that this level of criminal activity could potentially be happening to kids in our communities that we care about living 
next door to us, maybe attending our church, maybe playing on our basketball teams, our volleyball teams, our softball teams. And these are kids that we know and care about. So my journey with that actually was similar to most Americans thinking it was just over there. And I lived over there. Reality came down to this because of the statistics you just quoted and so many other things that came together, started an organization called the Stop Trafficking Project with a very simple vision and it before it starts. So to unpack a little bit more, we want to end specifically a crime called domestic minor sex trafficking. So as you unpack in those statistics, $150 billion a year industry globally, conservatively, $100 billion of that sex trafficking, that how that breaks down. Well, guess what? The vast majority of the uh, exploitation of even, say, a 23-year-old adult female who's being sold sexually against her will as a victim of sex trafficking, it almost always starts when they're minors tweens and teens and younger. So we got to thinking, okay, so let me give you a visual on a podcast. In front of you, you've got a massive barrel and it's filled with water and the water represents victimized persons. To date, at best, there are multiple agencies the ones with million dollar budgets will pretend like they have a teaspoon and they're trying to flick water out of the barrel. Cause most people, when they think we've got to end sex trafficking means we have to rescue someone out of it. Okay. Um, the reality is, is that barrel will never get emptied. Even if you have a monstrosity on a global scale to where you have a bucket emptying this barrel because guess what the fire hose that's filling it is full blast and the fire hose is what we call demand so the reality is this it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize how you got to empty that barrel well you got to shut the fire hose off so in our world in our in the stop trafficking project our vision to end it before it starts deals with and addresses the issues of demand so critically important for your audience that works with students cares about students not just a job, but actually wants to invest in their lives, understand a few things. Primarily, I want your audience to grasp this. I only want them to get three words out of everything we talk about. I want to boil it down to three words, and the three words are this, exploitation of vulnerability. You can take all 27 major categories of human trafficking on a global scale. There's always a vulnerability that's being exploited. Now, especially when it comes to our kids, where are they most vulnerable? Okay, let's talk about where kids are most vulnerable. As we began to do the research and do the deep dive into the actual crime of domestic minor sex trafficking, what we found out is 100% of the kids that we've worked with who are victims of this crime, 100% of them, it all starts online. So to back it all up, let's shut the fire hose off. We have to address the vulnerabilities that our kids are facing in their online lives. For adults that care about kids, this is one of probably one of the most primary things that we have to start paying attention to. I, I've been telling people recently, Jake, that you know, if you're only given two options, and I'm throwing bad, two bad options at you, okay? There's not a good option here, but you have two options. Number one, you're gonna send an eight-year-old kid to the mall all by themselves for eight for four hours. Or you're going to let that eight-year-old kid sit behind a laptop or a cell phone or um, a, a MacBook or whatever device for four hours unsupervised online with no filters and no adult supervision. I'm going to send the kid to the mall. 
because at least there you're maybe going to have a caring mom or a grandma or the mall cop. Here's what we have to understand. Um, Technology is not the enemy, but technology is creating tremendous complexities in the lives of our families and our communities and our schools and our churches. So as adults who care about kids and we want to invest in kids, as uncomfortable as this may be generationally for some adults, we have to understand the role that the online lives of our kids plays in the potential exploitation of their vulnerabilities. There's those three words again. So how do we combat this? How do, how do we keep kids safer, not only online, but in everything we're doing? You identify the vulnerabilities in the kids you care about. You identify the vulnerabilities in the kids specific in the school community you care about or in your church or on your athletic team or in your family. You identify those vulnerabilities and then you back it up and go, now, what can I do as a trusted, caring adult that's going to make sure this student realizes I'm not against them and I'm not against them having an online life, but I will speak truth into their lives to help them understand how their vulnerabilities can and are being exploited online. And so what would some examples of those uh, vulnerabilities be for maybe the adult that doesn't know exactly uh, what you're talking about there. Give us some examples of what those could be. So we know in the crime of domestic minor sex trafficking, kids in foster care, their vulnerabilities go sky high. We know kids who've been sexually assaulted in their past, the vulnerabilities go sky high. We actually also know kids who are from broken homes. Their vulnerabilities are much higher. We know kids um, who are struggling with their sexual identity, their vulnerabilities go sky high because they can't, but almost help put themselves out there online. They become targets. But so, so that, so, so that's a very, that's a very generalized thing. What I want adults to understand is that some of the vulnerabilities that those kids face, but every kid's face is number one, they're bored. So guess where kids go when they're online. So think about the exploitation of vulnerability and you've got a bored kid and they've got an hour and a half at home with no adult supervision. And maybe the adult has no, listen, you can use technology on technology to keep you safer from technology. But a lot of adults have just kind of used that as a crutch. I've got bark on the phone or I've got canopy on their phone. So I'm good. I don't have to pay attention to it. No, you actually have to pay attention to three words, the exploitation of vulnerability and understand what's the vulnerability in my kid. Cause guess what? Those kids know how to get around all that tech stuff. So they're bored. Well, here, here's, here's the deep, deeper issues. We're dealing with a generation now today who has grown up literally with no comprehension of what it is like to not have screen life. And here's what we're finding. This is the loneliest generation ever in the history of mankind, yet they're the most connected. We're finding now, especially through COVID, the level of isolation that our kids are facing has skyrocketed. So based on some of those things, you've got bored kids who are now lonely and isolated. Guess what we're seeing? We're seeing the levels of depression skyrocketing amongst our kids. And we're not talking about kids being sad. We're talking about kids at a level of depression clinical levels of depression, clinical levels of depression that are so deep that they are now increasingly willing to comprehend and entertain dying by suicide. So recently, I've had kids come to me at the end of school assemblies because one of the powerful things that I love about adults who are willing to invest in kids, if you will tell the kids the truth about this stuff, they're going to respond. It's amazing. 
I recently had a girl in sixth grade. This girl hasn't even gone through puberty yet. She's a little stick. And at the end of the assembly for sixth graders, she came up and she removed seven choker chains from around her neck. And I could see the hand mark around her neck where her eighth grade boyfriend had choked her out having sex with her the day before. One of the things that we have to add into this cocktail of loneliness and isolation and depression and kids dying by suicide is the role that pornography plays in all of this. Because while the average age of online enticement of kids for the purposes of sexual exploitation, the crime of domestic minor sex trafficking, where they actually become victims is somewhere around the age of 12 to 14. The average age of first time exposure to pornography in America today is between the ages of eight and 11. And according to one of the free porn sites called Pornhub, 80% of all pornography today is viewed through a cell phone. Well, guess what we're doing as adults? We're giving our kids cell phones at younger and younger and younger ages to do what? To keep them safer because they're getting off the bus going from soccer to band and then they got to get home. And that's fine. It's, it, it's OK. But what we as adults have to understand is this. OK, technology is not the enemy but it is creating tremendous complexity. So how are we going to monitor these three words? The kid that I care about, it's about the exploitation of vulnerability. What's the vulnerability in this kid? Is he bored? Is he lonely? Is he isolated? Maybe wondering, is life worth living? And then let's deal with the issue of pornography because here's my little girl, sixth grade. She stands in front of me and guess what happened? Her eighth grade boyfriend had learned that behavior on pornography that you're supposed to choke your partner out, which still they become unconscious as you're having sex with them. Th these are the issues that eighth graders and sixth graders are learning online as adults who aren't just in this for a job, but we care about kids and we want to invest in them. You have to get beyond the shock and awe factor of the stuff that kids are talking about today. And you have to learn to just kind of like hide your face and you have to just get to the point that you care about that kid so much that there's nothing that kid can tell you that's going to make you disappointed in them outwardly. You might be dying on the inside, but you have to put together a face and a confidence that that kid, I will, I will care for you regardless of what you've gotten into, regardless of the kind of trouble that you're in. I'm going to be that trusted adult in your life that will invest in you regardless, because here's what we're finding. Um, that eighth grade boy wasn't a bad kid. That eighth grade boy, uh, dad had his own porn addiction and blew the family up at a young age. And dad had been showing and allowing his little boy to see pornography starting at the age of four. This boy in eighth grade literally has grown up with pornography as being his primary sex education. He thinks this is actually what girls want and what you're supposed to do. So if we want to put blinders on as adults and say, bad kid. That's not how this is working. So we so as adults, we have to we have to come to this place to get, okay, I may not understand everything about the online world, but I'm going to wrap it around three words, exploitation of vulnerability. And you don't have to be an expert in technology. You just have to be an expert in the kids you care about and then understand the role that technology can play in their vulnerabilities potentially being exploited. And I think that's just such a great point, just in education, period, um, because it, it is a different day. And, and what kids are doing. Honestly, as a parent, you would think that having your kid in the house for four hours is a lot safer than turning them loose at a mall by themselves. But you have to, you have to lose that mindset and, and re-educate yourself um, to, to, to live in a, in a world that's, that's, that is today. 
And we're beautifully prepared for a world that no longer exists in this area a lot of times as adults. So I think that's just an outstanding point. And, and the words you said, trusted adult, um, if you don't get to that point, you're not going to be able to be that trusted adult. That's so important. And, and please don't rely on a title to identify someone as a trusted adult because titles don't mean anything. Um, all it is is identify a person has attained to a certain position. It doesn't identify who that person is. And so a position doesn't make a student a trusted adult. And so for some of our students, the trusted adult isn't at home. And that's why for your audience, Jake, who are people who are literally concerned about kids, um, they need to understand that they may be one of the few trusted adults in that particular kid's life because maybe there's not somebody at home. Because when we get done with a lot of our school assemblies, it is not uncommon to have students walk up and, 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 and reveal various forms of abuse and exploitation that have happened at the hands of their own family members. So who is that kid going to talk to? And that's why your audience has to be motivated to say, I really have to pay attention. And so, so they need to know about apps that are dangerous, but they don't have to know all the apps. Like you don't have to be an expert in all things, Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and kick messenger and Tinder. I mean, you need to know about them. You don't have to be an expert in all those things. You just need to know that kids are using them and kind of know the basic understandings of how that platform can be used so, so kids feel a false sense of security behind Snapchat because that picture is going to disappear. So I recently had 11 girls and, you know, there were 11th and 12th grade girls and they got done with my, my presentation and they, they came up and they said, we did, they wanted me to know that they actually feel empowered taking their clothes off, sending pictures to naked men. It was a little bit of an argument, a little bit of a pushback on my presentation. Okay. So game face, uh, nothing a kid can tell us can concern us or, or, or shock us. So I, I said, well, ladies, why don't you just explain to me how empowered you feel? Jake, within 15 minutes, nine of the 11 girls are weeping and they're rolling up their sleeves and they're showing the cut marks on their arm and the self-harm they're engaging. And because there are these images that are now being used against them and all 11 of those girls had adult male, I, I, I put them in three categories, perverts, predators, or pimps. And they were preying on these girls, demanding other things. So the, the word sextortion is a real word. And kids are four, two 14-year-olds in a, in a hot three-and-a-half-week high school relationship. It's going to last forever. We're taking our clothes off and sending naked pictures because sexting's the new flirting, right? And now we break up and those pictures are being used against us and our kids are not processing how that's used against us. The, what we as adults have to understand is by the very nature of how the online life works is nothing that kids are sharing between themselves stays private, right? The Internet's Watch Foundation says that 88% of the time, images that are shared between person A to person B, 88% of the time, a whole bunch of people see that stuff. So our kids need to process this and, and we as adults need to walk them through that. And even in their belligerent, determined almost maybe even antagonistic response to us. So well, you're adults and you don't know what you're talking about. I know what I'm doing. Uh, we have to power through that and help these students understand that no online life has changed a lot. We're working with these kids and we understand now the, the world they live in. Uh, but what we've talked about so far are those images that don't go away between, let's say, a 14 year old and a 15 year old um, in high school. How do these things turn into a, a, a student, whether it be female or male, being entered into this world of human trafficking. 
And that's, that's, you know, it's, it's rare that a kid gets on an online device and all of a sudden stranger danger. It's much more subtle than that. um, And it's very slow process. However, in the state of Missouri during COVID, the Missouri State Highway Patrol discovered this, that online grooming process on average was only taking eight days before a student was willing to meet a complete stranger in person. Now that online predator is willing to take weeks or months, whatever it's going to require, but something was happening during COVID bored, lonely, isolated, depressed. What's the point? A couple of things we haven't touched on is this whole kind of cyber bullying thing that's happening. Um, controlling relationships that kids are entering into at younger and younger and younger ages. And so here, here's a common pattern. Let's take a 12 year old boy who's addicted to gaming. Got a, but got a game four hours a day, right? The dopamine release in the brain is firing up. If he's not getting four hours a day of his favorite game, he's ready to punch a hole in the wall and he's actually a good kid. Right. But he's, but, but there's the, it's this online enticement. So he encounters someone online um, through a couple of his friends and this person enters into their chat room. The kid's got his headset on and they're chatting and this person's identifying himself by whatever his favorite, you know, um, game character might be and in their chit chat go man you really got some mad gaming skills I, I i'd like to i'd like to help you out some more i think you could actually make some money doing this and this kid's kind of go man i'm a little bit lonely isolated depressed whatever's going on I'll, I'll chat with this person and not really paying attention to who they may be chatting with um, the patterns that we're finding um, is eventually here's the generalized pattern of forty thousand foot look um, that 12 year old boy will eventually be sent a picture of probably a partially or fully naked young attractive female and more than likely, there's an adult male pervert, predator, or pimp on the other end sending those images. Um, but our young guy um, is 12, and so he's immediately enticed by this and begins to engage in the relationship to the point to where maybe continual images are being shared back and forth. Now pornography is being shared. Maybe this 12-year-old kid's never really seen pornography before. Now the dopamine release is really firing on all cylinders. He thinks he's communicating with the image. And this person says, let's meet in person. Um, this is a generalized pattern. For our girls, the generalized pattern for the purposes of this podcast, 40,000 foot elevation is the Romeo pimping. Girls are falling in love online. They're meeting some guy who says he's the same age she is, close, lives close by. Um, it, it always involves the same levels of emotions. Remember, it's about three words. It's about the exploitation of vulnerability. So the vulnerability of the 12-year-old gamer boy Versus the 14-year-old girl who's lonely or isolated and on Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok talking to some boy who's the same age, but he's actually a 58-year-old adult male predator, um, the vulnerabilities are different. And, and so that's what that's where we as trusted adults need to have this kind of a conversation with our kids. Hey, so um, you know, who you've been chatting with lately on Snapchat? Here, here's something I was engaged with. Did you see this on Snapchat that was posted? What, what, what are you doing? What, what, what are you chatting about? Are you been, anything interesting been coming up lately? Um, had any people in your life and you're not really maybe quite sure who they are? If you have trusted a relationship with that kid, and that's the goal, and it's all about three words, exploitation of vulnerability, you're hunting for the vulnerability. That's what you're looking for. Because the, the, what we have to do is we have to disrupt that exploitation of vulnerability. That's our job as adults who care about students. Because guess what? The tech industry does not care. The porn industry does not care. The perverts, the predators and pimps online, they do not care. We're the ones who have to care. And what we have to understand is that the perverts, predators and pimps online, they understand 
the three words, exploitation of vulnerability from this perspective. They're looking for vulnerabilities to exploit, whatever that may be. We as adults, to disrupt that exploitation of vulnerability, it's our job to step in and go, there's the vulnerability. What can I do with everything within my power, my resources appropriately, depending on the relationship with this kid, to make sure that vulnerability doesn't lead to the next vulnerability that leads to the next vulnerability that can be exploited in some way? Because unfortunately, Jake, what we see with the actual crime of domestic minor sex trafficking, that a lot of times is the end goal. And one of the problems with pornography because we say pornography is the engine driving sex trafficking it's driving the demand side of sex trafficking Um, it's educating kids that this is that's why we have an eighth grade boy choking out a sixth grade girl it's it's providing an education level that's a completely false narrative it's a complete false narrative of what a healthy relationship looks like it's the complete antithesis of healthy relationships so we as adults, honestly, a lot of men working with kids, you better have an honest conversation, honest look at your own life with your own struggle with porn, and then have that authentic conversation with the boys in your life to go, man, here's the real world. I get it. I understand it. That, 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 that speaks volumes to a kid. That's so powerful. And, and, and I think maybe why uh, there aren't more people that are willing to jump in and, and, and tackle this, this whole problem is because we got to take a look in the mirror before we can help any young person. Exactly right. Exactly right. So what I'm hearing you say is, is the, the best way to, to fight this is to stop it before it starts. Cut the, the flow of, of new people into this situation. And the best way to do that is going to be through um, very direct conversations through relationships that you've built. Absolutely. And, and this is kind of what I give a, a top 10 for adults of things that they can do um, beyond the, hey, put technology on technology, keep kids safe from technology, understanding all those kind of things, uh, realizing that if you tell kids the truth, they will respond positively. Start with that as the premise. Start with this premise. It's not these kids these days. I can't believe what these kids these days are doing. It's, man, we have adults have created a situation where we have put technology in the hands of kids that was not designed to be their primary relationship building platform. And that's what we've allowed it to turn into. So, so, so the onus is on us as adults, right? So we have to step up and do better with this. So, so, so let me, let me just throw some things that all of us as adults can do. Uh, first is this, uh, don't live in fear but be wise. Cause a lot of times our reaction is, man, I'm going to rip the Wi-Fi out of the house, take the kid's cell phone, throw it at the bottom of the lake. And that is the wrong response. I'm just telling you, it's the wrong response because that will absolutely drive a wedge between you and the kids that you care about because the online life is not going away. Cell phones are not going away. If anything, technology is only going to get increasingly difficult to monitor and manage. So don't live in fear about that, but be wise and just understand how this is going to work. For those who are parents, okay, so maybe we're going to step outside, you're a kid, you're, you're an adult investing in a kid, and maybe they've got a bad home life. But for parents, I, I give permission for parents to be their kid's parent first, not their best friend, right? I think it's really such an important key because because our kids, our kids are in an online life. Let me give you another visual in the podcast. We're, we're allowing our kids to walk to the edge of a cliff with some of the things they're engaging with in their online lives, a caring adult, a trusted adult, a parent is going to put a fence 
around the top of that cliff so that kid can't fall off. I'm invested in their life. I'm asking them questions. Um, I get to look at that cell phone anytime I want to. I'm putting different tech on there to keep them safe. And here's the premise we have to approach our kids from. This is absolutely key. It's not that I don't trust you as the kid. I cannot trust the internet. So I'm here to protect you. So it's putting a fence around because best friends, oh, hey, yeah, it's all good. Hey, let's snap together. Let's Insta this together. I'm going to be your best friend, right? Now let's take pictures. Let's take selfies together and post them. Let's do maybe a little nefarious content. What are we going to do to be that kid's best friend? Guess what? We're going to, we're going to have those, those are putting ambulances at the bottom of that cliff to deal with all the repercussions those kids are dealing with after the fact that they've fallen off that cliff. I think one of the other things is, is don't ever say this, not my kid or the kid I care about. Not the kid in my community, not the kid on my team, not the kid in my church, not the kid um, that I know as the neighbor. Don't, don't ever say that. that, that is, that's been the number one biggest mistake of most adults to simply throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, there's not a chance my kid can do this. And here, here's, here's, how, here's how it kind of breaks down that we see this on a kind of a geographical level, because, because within those three words, the exploitation, the vulnerability, there's always the societal and the individual risk factors that come into this, right? So, and then, and then somewhat the geographical as well. So, so let's, let's talk downtown inner city, Kansas city. Don't was going to say, not my kid. We're too street smart down here. They're, they're never going to fall for this. And that's wrong. We go into the suburbs. We got money, power, wealth, influence out here. Not my kid. They're wrong. We go to rural or ultra rural parts of the state and they say, not my kid. Cause we don't even lock our doors. I mean, the black lab will be in the back of the pickup truck in nine hours. And our kids are carrying that mentality online. And so the common denominator is what they're doing online. So don't ever say, not my kid. And then I would really encourage adults with this, lead by your own example. Because here's the thing, your kids are watching what you do. And for some of you, depending on the age, age group of who's listening to this podcast, for some of you generationally, you kind of have, you have your life you live, and then you do a little bit of stuff online, most of us. For our kids, it's one thing. So that's why they'll be sitting in a living room together, and they're still using an app to communicate. They're sitting six feet apart. Oh, they'll talk too but they're still communicating and sending emojis and fire this and fire that and sending little selfies. Right. So, so we have to understand as adults that this is how they're communicating and engage with that. Um, it's really important for adults to actually develop a plan. So it gets a little bit more difficult if you're an adult investing in a kid um, where you're going to get no support with this from the family, but you can still do the best that you can to develop a plan. And by develop a plan, it means this, um, Let's say you're a trusted adult and the kid in your life um, is somebody you're mentoring and they've got a messed up family life. Earn their trust to gain access to their phone. And by doing that, let them have access to your phone. And hey, this is what I was looking at. Can you see what and, and talk through the difficulties. Um, if you do have access to a kid, um, if you got more stuff, guess what? You should know every password on their phone. I mean, if you're the trusted adult paying for the kid's phone, that's your phone. It's not the kid's phone. Um, we encourage adults to engage in cell phone contracts. I would encourage you as a mentor with a kid and they've got a horrible family life. You can still engage in a cell phone contract with that kid during our time together. We're going to have an hour together today. Oh, here's the cell phone contract we're going to abide by. This is how we're going we're, to drop that. So you can get really creative in that. Um, one of the things is this. We, unfortunately, we have to start at younger and younger and younger ages with kids. So the Stop Trafficking Project, um, we actually have age-appropriate school assemblies that we do starting in kindergarten, clear up through 12th grade. They're completely different content style what we do, but we have to start talking to kids about this at younger and younger ages because here's the simple principle. It's easier to teach than unteach. 
Now, let's say you got a 16-year-old kid and they're being sexually exploited on TikTok, but they refuse to give it up. Um, don't rip TikTok away from them. Um, that's the war. Start with a battle and let's go, okay, um, let's only be on TikTok maybe an hour today or whatever the thing is that they're, that they're happening. Monitor it and make sure they know that you've set up, it's my phone, so I get to look at it. If they're actually being exploited online, you got to go straight to law enforcement, right? You got to take that device. You got that's yours. You own it. Um, if you're working with a kid who you're mentoring and you don't have, that's not your phone. You don't have access to it. Um, you still got to get law enforcement because most of you listening to this, you're probably mandated reporters. So if they're revealing that kind of stuff, this is not a matter of, oh, well, it's okay. It's just a phase you're going through. No, there's something, some level. Um, if you're a mandated reporter, um, here's what you need to do. Um, in the state of Missouri, I recommend you call the Missouri State Highway Patrol wherever you're at within your jurisdiction. I mean, from the state of Kansas, I would reckon you call Kansas Highway Patrol. Um, if you don't have success there, um, then you need to call like your local sheriff's offices. Don't just do like a generic 911 call and tell them this. This is what I've discovered. I need someone in cyber crimes who understands online exploitation of kids. If you're not getting anything there, then go ahead and call 911. But don't just say, hey, I need a patrol officer to come out. Tell them what's happening and that you need specifically someone who understands cybercrime online. Um, that's 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 really how we kind of need to deal with that. Um, you got to pick your battles to win the war, right? Um, and, then, and then here's another here's another tip. Um, pass on this on to your kids, but it's important for adults as well. So adults set the example. You're only as safe online as your stupidest friend. So let that sink in, right? You're only safe as long as your stupidest friend. So, so from an adult, so this is adults will understand this example. So Facebook that most kids don't use. So say, um, so say you're going to share pictures on Facebook that you don't want anyone else to share, but you've got your wall, you've got your 400 friends that you don't care if they see this picture of whatever your family's doing, you're skiing and, you know, in Colorado, um, but you don't want that to go public. Well, one of your friends decides to share that picture and they aren't set to public. Um, so guess what? Now your picture is potentially open to the whole wide world. This is what's happening to kids all the time on Snapchat and Instagram and kick messenger and TikTok and all the other things that they're using Omegle and all this kind of stuff. So, so, so pass that on and, and have the conversation with the kids. Um, come back to the three words. It's all about the exploitation of vulnerability. That's all I really want you to think about for this podcast. What's the vulnerability in the kid I care about and how can I keep that being exploited? And then finally um, engage with what we call the be alert strategy. And be alert is simply this. We need you to be active in this, continue learning, get empowered so that you can be relentless with this and do it together. You're not in this alone. So please don't let kids think that they're alone in this either. So this is a handful of tips what we can do as adults. Well, I appreciate that. And, and I really like the fact that you mentioned um, start young because you know who doesn't care about an embarrassing conversation are the guys and, 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 and the creeps and the, and the predators that are online. Um, so if we wait till middle school, we're behind um, th those guys. And so um, I I'm glad you mentioned that. And, and having you come in and speak to some of my classes in the past, I just want to throw this out there. Um, if you are a trusted adult, if you are in a position of leadership, um, I would really recommend you um, contacting uh, Russ Tuttle through his organization, the Stop Trafficking Project. And whether it's Russ or someone else that comes out, it is important that we get this in front of our kids and start a conversation that they now know is okay to have with us. And so, Russ, how, uh, what's the best way to, to find out information about your project? How can we get in touch with you if that's something that we want to do? Yep. So um, easiest thing, a um, few, few different things I can do. Um, StopTraffickingProject.com is our website. They can reach out to me through that. 
Um, my email, they can direct, email me directly, is russ, R-U-S-S, at stoptraffickingproject.com. Um, we, have a, we, have a, we have a new app out called the Stop Trafficking app. Um, it's got tons of videos, all kinds of resources. So one of the easiest things you can do, um, if you want to just kind of go the way the world is, and you can text the word be alert, B-E-A-L-E-R-T, um, to this number, it's 833-321-0219. Just text B alert to 833-321-0219. That gives you instant immediate access to our website. On the website, you can connect to us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, and uh, LinkedIn as well for adults who use that. And uh, then also um, our app, you can download it from the website. Um, and so that's one of the easiest ways to reach out and connect with us. Well, Russ, I really appreciate you coming on uh, the beautiful struggle tonight, and uh, hopefully we can partner with each other, um, all of us adults listening to this, to stop the exploitation of vulnerability uh, in our kids' lives. And if you happen to be a, a, a youth listening to the podcast tonight, all of these are ways you can reach out to Russ, to myself. If you find yourself in one of these situations, because that's what we're here for. We're here so that we can better coach, teach and inspire the youth of today. And Russ, again, thank you a lot for your time tonight. Well, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode of The Beautiful Struggle. And Let me encourage all of you guys out there that are doing things to help our youth. Keep up the good work and we'll see you next time.